0: have this conversation with Jake like a while ago about trying to bring other communities into Bitcoin by allowing, you know, interoperable tools like swapping, bridging. I've always been big on interoperability, so that's about what I thought about bringing liquidity and all the issues we might be facing. Mm, I'd, I'd
1: push back against that a little bit, Sir Jake. I'd say the thing that's needed is interesting new stuff. That will bring liquidity. People need to build stuff that's cool and that people want to use and has functionality. The idea that we're just going to basically copy paste to what's been done on Ethereum and bring it over onto Bitcoin, that has validity. Like I'm not saying that doesn't work, it does work, but that's not gonna bring new people into the space and get them yeah. interested in something, the next thing. And I don't think the I, next I, thing frankly is ART NFTs. Not to shit on you, what you guys are doing, anybody, what anybody's doing, cause I do think ART NFTs have value, but realistically what the entire space needs is like, okay, we had DeFi, we had NFTs, what's the next thing? That's what I'm yeah. kind of looking at. Well, Adam, we are back. Let's After go, baby. Two weeks. Maybe it was three weeks.
2: I can't do I can't even remember, man. This space is so dead. It's uh, <laughs> <is> blending together. <laughs> Why are we even discussing BRC20? Shouldn't the title be BRC20s are dead? Yeah, just like the whole, the whole ordinal space. GM Bunzy, man. Bitcoin summer, block talk. What is good?
1: You're on mute. Yo, Bunzy, you there, bro? You there, man? Supposedly, Bunzy's <laughs> going to undock Bunzie? himself today. Yeah, right.
2: Rumor has it. All right, we're moving over. at pick God, GM, bro. What's good?
3: Hey, GM. Thank you so much for having me on today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Good said he's going to be uh, a few minutes late, so um, we'll, we'll continue to hang out. Maybe one day, uh, Bunzy will get off mute or maybe still drinking his coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll spend this five minutes kind of um, discussing everything before the BRC20 conversation. Mm-hmm. So for those that didn't know, um, Adam and I, we used to host a regular Friday show, um, back for about, we did it for about 30 weeks straight. Um, I think that's where actually, oh, my is that's true, yeah, this is technically episode 30. Um, Amazing. I, I think that's actually where I met BitGod at was during, Absolutely. during that space. Yep. Um, and so our our intention the entire the entire time of starting the show was to move it to become more regular, and to uh, and to have a more open space. You know, our our shows generally surround um, ordinals, uh, multi chain collecting. It's less about flipping, more about community, more about trying to find value and uh more about founders and builders than it is to try to participate in this regular pfp paparazzi which i like to call it which is the
1: well that's what you're calling it now the pfp paparazzi
2: (laughs) that's a dude it's the pf paparazzi man that's it's what it reminds me of every time i'm in the pfp crowd it reminds me of just like tmz you know and like who's who and who's dumping on who and uh, it just becomes so tiresome after so <laughs> long. never like, never, really, there never, There's never really as much substance about, you know, what kind of products you could build and talking about expression. as it is, it's just about, you know, trying to find vulnerabilities and people's personalities <laughs> and,
4: and trying to exploit it.
2: Like it's just, it's just consistently what it is, which, you know, I don't want to discredit them at all because I, a lot of them are my friends and I still find it very entertaining, but that's what it is. Is more entertainment than it is, you know, kind of about substance. So I even had Thread Guy on my podcast multiple times, and he said that the reason why he's so loud is for entertainment purposes. Is not even because of, you know, trying to find information, which he does do a good job. So,
1: I uh, mean, it is entertaining, right? And the reality is, PFPs, you know, I everybody's shitting on them; they're all dead, and and you know, prices may go to near zero for almost everything. But the reality is is PFPs are an important part of social media. They're an important part of online activity. You know What they're valued at, are they worth $100,000? Probably most, almost none. (laughs) Uh, Maybe none. Um, Very possibly none. But to think they're not important is kind of silly. I mean, Jesus Christ, just look in the space, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I agree as well. So the show, um,
2: well, first, make sure that everyone retweets the space. I pinned it up to the top. Make sure... Uh, you like it, retweet it, um, you know, throw some, some quote tweets out that we're going to be talking about BRC20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, this show is going to be now regularly Tuesdays and Thursdays at this time at 1130 a.m. Eastern, 830 a.m. Pacific. If you're like me and Bunzy waking up uh, super early, you know, to really get this going, um, it's going to be it's going to be a fun time. The goal is to eventually, you know, have it maybe three times a week, but we're going to start it two times. And it's at a time where we're not competing with any other ordinal show. Yes, there are maybe some other bigger shows, but you know, we're going to grow this into the community. Uh, Also, if anyone's not familiar, Adam and I are on the video. So if anyone wants to join the video chat, um, you Oh, the
1: video busy. is fire, dude! This it's is what they really need to. <laughs> yes, <it's laughs> the- I'm gonna pin it up top so everybody can see this fire video we got going on.
2: Right the video. Anybody's always more than welcome to come. You know, just shoot me DM. You got to be a docs person. It looks. Horrific when you invite somebody on who is undocs and you're just talking to, you know, a <laughs> <Their PMP. laughs> my, my video editor told me uh, the first time we did that, my video editor was like, absolutely do not do this anymore. And so taking the word of, of advice with my video editor, um, we need to see your, your lovely face. If you do want to join us on the, on the video chat itself.
1: <laughs> absolutely. No, no, uh, no PFPs on the video chat. I think
3: honestly, I'll eventually do that, um,
1: dude. There's I, no point for you not to now, bro. Everybody
3: knows your face. You might as well. <laughs> well, bit. no, one hundred percent. I'm currently not on my. I'm currently not on my computer, so it would be. I think I'd have to do it via computer and then, and then I guess what it would be streamed through your live stream and then I would go mute. I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You'd
2: go. Yeah. You'd okay. go mute. I would send you the, the stream yard link. You'd come chat with us. You wouldn't have to do literally anything except just talk. And then uh, we cut up all the content and stuff afterwards and, uh, and send it out. And so, yeah, Tuesday, Thursdays at the same time, more than welcome anybody here. Um, so also anybody who's on stage, just keep that in mind that there is like a, Maybe half second delay between those who are on video and those who are talking on stage. So, I do want to go around and make some GMs. King Ant, what is good?
5: Good morning, Jake.
2: Good morning, everyone
5: on the stage, some absolute legends. Um, dude, I love your stream and I think it's awesome that you're doing that. Um, yo, I, yeah, I just encourage everyone if you haven't like filmed yourself, I think it's really healthy and like, it's helped me grow, um, and I bet Jake could say the same thing. And um, I don't know; I feel like I earlier you were talking about. It seems like the TMZ or like MTV um, with some of the drama, and I can agree with that um, completely. So I like I like refocusing sometimes, and I like that you do that. And just glad to be here, Bunzi. Big God, great to see some some absolute legends here this morning.
2: Yeah, absolute legends. Words well spoken from the positivity of King Ant as always. You know, Champions of the otherworldly magic. I just had these guys on the podcast. Super cool game. Trading card. The first on ordinals. Not first on Bitcoin, but first on ordinals. Uh, GM, bro. Good morning, guys. This is the social media intern. Um, thanks for having
6: me up here. Good to meet everybody.
2: I love that the meta is hey, over. You guys got a yeah. bro.
6: That was those. Most fire
7: intro ever. Oh, <laughs> uh, that just made my morning. Fuck yeah. Dude, that game's super sick too. I um, need an intern, man. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I'll be your intern, big god. Let's fucking cook. Bunzy, you're
8: finally awesome. <laughs> off you're finally
2: off mute, bro. <laughs>
7: Let's go. That was fire. You just all right, champion. We're just the intern. It is is a pleasure. And many GMs your way, sir.
2: And the intern is always is always the meta. You know, it was funny. It was two years ago when I first started getting into NFTs. I became the Mooncat moderator, and I always said that this is like the internship to becoming, you know, an NFT builder is being a Discord moderator or community manager. That's generally where a lot of people get their beginnings from. It's super, super funny,
7: dude. I'm still an intern. Dude. <laughs> Fucking, holy shit! Like it's still, it's still the same, dude. Just, bro, the
1: intern mindset is powerful, bro. Oh yeah, The, the, the
2: internal,
9: the, the intern, internal mindset.
2: That's where I've been. Awesome. Well, Bunzy, do you want to uh, before uh, we get started? Um, this Tuesday show is a collab between uh, Emblem and Block Talk. And uh, do you want to give a, just a quick explanation of you know what Block Talk is, what's Bitcoin Summer, why we decided to kind of merge this show together, and maybe just give a little bit of an update.
7: Yeah, for sure. No, it's, uh, it's crazy. Like um, Jake and I have connected and seeing what he was doing with the podcast really inspired a lot what I was doing with with Block Talk and kind of with some reorganizing of um, what I've been working on, going to be start doing Block Talk with Jason Klein as well. But this was a super cool opportunity to kind of merge Bitcoin Summer, all the topics that we've been discussing with Emblem Vault and kind of like making one powerhouse of a show to make it, um, you know, more concise and getting, you know, both of our resources and cool guests and making it, you know, because a lot of spaces can drag on and there's a lot of them, so we want to make sure that we, you know, focus it and do the best that we can in a short period of time to to make it as dope as possible because there's a lot of spaces popping up and we appreciate everyone that comes to these. So we want to make sure that they're as far as possible, and teaming up seemed like the best and most natural idea because we were already doing it so much anyways. We're like, fuck it, let's just do it. So I'm the intern at BRC Twenty Discussions, and I'm fucking ready, dude. Um, No, this is it's exciting, and it it just it's really fun working with Jake and Adam, and um, yeah, just like naturally, I think happened, and now now we're officially stating it. So now it's it's super real. And uh, yeah,
2: let's go. Yeah, we, we got to give uh, Trevor Jean and uh, and uh, Leonidas a run for their money. Uh, we could we can be their competitors. Dude, um.
7: Leonidas is about to be my intern. <laughs> 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 oh man, no, it's, it's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm excited, and I mean, damn, we got we got big God, we got King Ant, the fucking most. Ever since I started following King Ant, I'm just like more positive. So like that's dank. And now I'm going to play card games with champion and get dunked on by the intern. It's fucking, I love interns for some reason. I just, I think I just, I know that I'm one and I resonate with them. And the fact that he said that, I think I fuck with a magic Eden intern too sometimes. I don't know. I think they LARP though. I don't think they actually have an intern. I think it's just like some paid dude that like, um, (laughs)
2: yeah, So so for those that don't know, actually, the, the intern kind of meta goes way back. They were doing the intern stuff, like even when I got back into crypto in 2016, 2017. I think it started with CMS. CMS is like a, a crypto hedge fund. And um, they did the CMS uh, intern. And then since then, you just see all these different intern accounts. Although I don't think they're actually interns, but it gives them a little bit of leeway to kind of say what they want. <laughs> Um, all right, cool, yeah. guys. We're we're here for, for BRC20 discussion. Um, if you're not familiar, I BRC20 has always been my kind of favorite aspect of of ordinals. So I kind of am a little bit biased towards um just discussing it because I do think there is, you know, a potential huge unlock of what this could lead to of DeFi on Bitcoin, whether BRC20 is, you know, that standard moving forward or whether it's something else. I think that Pandora's box um, has really opened up. Um, since, you know, the, the kind of creation of, of Ordi and this new protocol, um, to where there's a lot of different teams are now exploring different ways to use it. We've done all kinds of different cross-chain stuff, you know, there's new standards, people are trying to do new protocols. Uh, and, you know, we're lucky to sit here with BitGod, who's kind of been on the forefront of this through the ups and downs, you know, through the beginning. Um, we are going to have Good join us. He said he's going to be late. He's the one who's running MXRC. Um, the reason I chose both of them is, you know, they have two of the largest BRC20 communities um, that really exist, and they're also two builders who really haven't given up yet, given up yet on BRC20, and still trying to figure out different ways um, to build about it. So for Bitgod. Uh, you know, we'll start with you, man. Just uh, for those that aren't familiar, just give us a quick rundown of um, OXBT and uh, your project Redacted.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's now been, you know, a little over two months since, uh, you know, OXBT was was minted. Um, I think as of, you know, as of later, more recent, right? I think it was about one or two weeks ago. We made the announcement to, you know, fully go or push towards a fully decentralized model. I think it was, you know, at least for OXPT, it was very clear that, you know, after continuing to listen to some of the different thought leaders, uh, one of them being Casey Rodemer, of course the founder of of Ordinals, in one of his podcasts that I've listened to now, I think like twenty times, and, and probably a lot of us have listened to. Um, you know, he talks a lot about the the sort of like Bitcoin ethos and like all of his constraints around, you know, building the Ordinals protocol. And of course, one of those, you know, one of the pieces to that was um, this like not necessarily having, you know, a token, but with that as well, like not taking a pre-mine um, or not sort of taking, you know, a team allocation, enriching yourself um, at the expense of others. And so, I think the way that we looked at, at at that was like we have this, you know, treasury of, you know, potentially millions of dollars of, of tokens, but it's, you know, it wasn't necessarily earned, right? It was pre-mined. And so that was sort of a necessary step in our opinion to start to move towards, um, you know, the decentralization model on the OXBT side. On the redacted side, right, we've made an announcement sort of more recently that, you um, uh, you know, what's happening on on that side is a number of things, right? What, you know, Lynn is really focused on that side is, you know, building an identity system um, as well as, you know, working on a one-of-one uh, PFP airdrop to, only to OXBT holders. Um, and then more recently, we also announced um, myself as well as chief Jake, I'm not sure if you've had on the show or not before, but um, we've announced sort of the founding or the, the you know, the start, um, not necessarily the start, but basically the establishment of a new entity, which is called Quadrillion, um, which is going to be focused really highly on bringing some of the top artists um, in crypto as well as outside of crypto to Bitcoin, right? Highly curated uh, platform with mystery focused on, on digital artifacts leveraging OXPT.
7: So, so what you're saying you haven't been that busy at all, right? <laughs> Not yeah, at all. Dude, Not that at all. was a that was a lot of updates. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. But yeah so I do want to unpack the quadrillion really quick. I mean I I saw that of, um and I just want to hear a little bit more. I know you're getting into it, but I just really want to point that out because I think that type of curation on Bitcoin is going to be amazing. We saw it happen on like Counterparty and some of these like really well curated collections, but really interested to see
3: and hear what you can share about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean this goes to, um, you know, we haven't really released too many details on it, but I think just to go into, you know, why sort of starting it, I think it was, you know, we continue to hear across, you know, Ordinals Twitter that like artists should be building here, right? Like artists should be, you know, launching stuff on Bitcoin, but ultimately felt that like, you know, I think like, you know, platforms like, like Ordinals Wallet and and Magic Eden, they do a great job at, at what they're focused on, right? Which is, is the secondary market, but on the primary market side, right? Where this platform is, is, is really focused there hasn't been, I think, enough enough curation, right? Enough of a place where some of these top artists, um, you know, from ETH, from other chains that have proven sales, um, you know, or feel comfortable really launching their art. Um, even though they believe Bitcoin should be a place to launch stuff, they haven't found that. And so we believe that there's, you know, sort of an avenue to really focus on, On fine art and bringing that and being the bridge to you know many of these great artists over to bitcoin and i think that the signal that that'll send to you know other artists to other builders um to the market in general is that this is a place for you know fine art um and so that's our hope and and that's ultimately what is what is being worked on there and and we're in love with it i think it's it's going to be fun as well right We're, we're sort of adding our own little twist to it um and i think um it's going to be really fun. So I'm incredibly excited. I think, you know, the, of the people that I've talked to as well, um, both on the artist side, you know, Ordinals, OGs, uh, Jake and Adam, I'd love and Bunzy, I'd love to sort of talk with you guys in private about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are really excited about it. and And, you know, the whole team is as well.
2: So, so uh, BitGod, regarding uh, going back a little bit to um, the decision behind burning the entire um, supply or the, the entire team holding treasury of what I'm looking at says so $34,489,780. Uh, can you dive in a little bit of detail of like what, what was the decision behind burning this? Was this purely a decision to, you know, help? Um, to assist with, you know, a deflating price that's down, you know, ninety nine percent. Was there was there uh, concerns around, you know, how is a BRc classified from a regulatory perspective? Uh, I know there was multiple delays um, leading up to this decision, where you mentioned that you were uh, being advised by your legal team. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I heard um, any, like maybe a, you know, longer explanation of what what led you to that decision of burning i don't know what was it like probably 15% of the total supply
3: yeah so i mean it it really had nothing to do with the price right like that's how that's not how we should be making i think any of our decisions um, what it really had to do with was was of course around the decentralization piece leaning into the bitcoin ethos which is you know entirely against you know any sort of pre mine um, as well as the legal side of things, right like we continued to get um, really legal counsel on this stuff and, and it was very clear that of course this could have an effect on price and so like we could not announce this you know previous to it happening. Um, you know we went back and forth with with the legal side of things to make sure that this was all clear um, as well as as we ultimately felt like with this collective and, and moving towards, uh uh, this sort of decentralization piece that if um we are to sort of ever you know uh sell oxpt it should be earned right in that it should be exchanged or in exchanged for of course a good or a service not pre-mined it was very clear to us that if we took the other route which was okay you know myself or or sort of anyone a part of, of you know the founding of OXPT took you know a team allocation took some of those tokens and and sold it. Uh, one of course it wouldn't look too great, as well as two you know the whole legal the whole legal side of that is 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 a complete mess. And so what we ultimately felt was the best way to to sort of get around that um, is if you know we ever do collect or the collective right is the centralization piece ever does collect. Um, it's because it was in exchange for something, not pre mined, um, and so that's ultimately why we decided to, to of course, uh, to of course burn it.
1: So, so you're saying that just so I, I understand, because it's it's good to know this, um, just in as a as a community. So, your best legal advice was that you received was basically um, to kind of stay away from any sort of pre mine. Uh, is that is that right? For yourself, I mean, I mean, I understand it's a lot of gray, or or was it just so gray you just were like, ah, oh, we just don't even want to deal with it? Like, what was the the kind of best legal advice you got, or was no, it all the,
3: the legal advice, the legal advice wasn't necessarily around, um, you know, because it's 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 pretty clear that you can, you know, you can of course like take some of these tokens for yourself. It was more so around the bitcoin ethos right which is which is vehemently against the pre mine right of of these teams sort of like taking or you know vcs taking tokens and dumping right is that's not a decentralized sort of ecosystem like that's not a true ecosystem right it was it wasn't earned it was just held back and i think that like the whole you know the whole legal side was mainly around okay if we do this how do we do this properly um, and so that was that, I mean, of course there's legal gray area, but you know, it was mostly around how to actually properly do this and move towards the, the sort of right model.
2: Yeah, there, there really is a lot of uh, gray area. I mean, when we launched, you know, OXBT with you, that the, the kind of emblem collaboration, we had OXBT listed on OpenSea. We are going through, you know, the whole process with them. We have an open channel. And then within 20 minutes, all of a sudden, couldn't trade, uh, OXBT on OpenSea, and you know we were like, wait, what? What the fuck's going on? Right? We did, we had the get-go or we had the green light from them, and the team that we were at OpenSea that we were talking with said, uh, I'm so sorry. You know, a different department flagged this. You're gonna have to open up a ticket. You're gonna have to make sure everything's okay with them, but we'll expedite. You know, your ticket. Ultimately, you know, I open up a ticket within an hour and a half, they get back to us and they're like, yeah, we've, you know, we've frozen trading. We haven't completely delisted it uh, because there is some uncertainty surrounding BRC20s. And of course, you know, they, they flashed the line that no one ever wants to see. Yeah, we consider this a security or a commodity. Although, you know, we, you know, vehemently disagree with it because it's the same technology as an ordinal. There is a lot of ambiguity around it. And, you know, the, some of the reasoning, and we can even have this discussion of, you know, what it what it is. I was trying to, you know, make my claim to them. I said that's purely a subjective, you know, perspective because it's the same technology that's being used as that we've been doing, that we've been selling Bitcoin punks and all these other ordinals over the last few months. Um, Wait, are
1: these securities too, Jake? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. And uh, to me, it's like, yeah, right. You're We're just saying, I mean, you're using... The same underlying technology, right? Be the equivalent of like using an NFT or an ERC-721. The only thing that's different here is the indexer, which is essentially, which would be the equivalent of like an oracle. You're just interpreting different types of information surrounding it, and uh, of course, OpenSea, right? They're trying to go public, so they're trying to be, uh, you know, as take as many precautions as possible. But for us, it kind of led to a d- decision: is like maybe it is a commodity because it is a piece of Bitcoin, um, and so if they're viewing it particularly just as the code, right, where ordinal theory is not hard-coded into Bitcoin. They're just saying, hey, we don't give a fuck about what your ordinal theory is. This is a piece of Bitcoin, and therefore it's a commodity, and therefore we do not have a license. You know, uh, I think you need a money transmitter license to sell Bitcoin on your exchange. So I've learned a lot working through Emblem um, for all these, like, you know, regulatory arbitrage kind of periods. Um I don't know, BitGod, did you consider any of that um, during this process as well in terms of like what it may uh, be considered from any of the regulatory bodies across the world?
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, that in talking to the, the legal side of things, like it's pretty clear that um, one of the main things, right, um, and, and we were pretty clear on this as well, I think, in the lead up or uh, at least like post, post-launch post of OSPT, that like no one on the team was going to take a team allegation but it was pretty clear to me that one of the surest ways to, or one of the, the, the surest signs to like potentially becoming a security is one, taking a team allocation as well as two, how large that team allocation is of the overall supply. Right. Um, and so it was, it was pretty clear to us that uh, regardless of the underlying um, that there was of course, there was of course risk and there always will be. Now, I don't know, like, I doubt that, like, any regulatory body gets to ordinals anytime soon, right? I think that that's probably years away. Um, But I think that, like, there's no need for, I think, anyone to really take that risk, in my opinion, especially because, um, you know, myself, I know Lynn, Chief, like many others on, uh, as a part of the team, like, we want to be here for a really long time. And so setting it up, setting ourselves up, setting all these different teams up properly uh, for us to operate you know, serious businesses on, on the Bitcoin side, I think is is the best route to take. Um, so I think that that all of that really played in the decision. And it was something that we had considered for a really long time and had so much pushback and I shouldn't say pushback, but just continued back and forth with everyone on the team on, on why this is good, why this is not good, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and ultimately felt that like leaning into the Bitcoin ethos here as much as possible is I think, that, is, I think what should be done and I think the companies that are being built on Bitcoin should also take that ethos into account as well. Um, I think that, that like building products on Bitcoin should be different um, than what we've seen before. Right? Like that's not a typical thing we've seen in crypto, but like Bitcoin isn't typical. Um, and I think everyone that's building on Bitcoin right now is finding out that this is a lot harder than anything else, uh, but once figured out is, is I think, pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, I agree. I like the direction you're taking. Uh, Bitcoin and Ordinals. We really need to separate ourselves from Ethereum and stop doing the copy pasta and really kind of build our own unique culture. I do have to say, though, uh, burning three hundred fifty thousand dollars is no easy—you know, no easy decision. About 30, thirty-five million at a penny, right? So it's about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Just setting that on fire or sending it to Satoshi, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it hurts a little bit. I do want to say GM to good who just made on stage is another one of our special guests and what's,
0: what's going on. GM, GM, sorry for being late, man. I was, I had like something last minute, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I kind of appreciate the conversation. You know, we don't see often DRC-20 being discussed in like spaces, right? So this is why I was pretty much excited for, you know, this, this space and, um, you know, cheers to everyone, you know, attending this and, you know, hopefully we can have like a fruitful discussion. Uh, I know the market sentiment is, you know, kind of bear- bearish right now. Kinda. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot to look forward to, right? And I think this is why we're here primarily, um, just to keep encouraging people that are, you know, still building on Bitcoin. There's a lot that's happening. And um, yeah, so um, thank you for having me on stage, Adam, Jake, and rest of the panel.
2: Yeah, man. Well, I'm gonna throw you in the fire immediately as you just yeah, enter right. through the door. Uh, you know, I gave uh, Big God kind of went through an explanation of his project. Uh, the reason yep. why uh, you know I wanted you to come on here too, you and you and Big God are really you know two uh, two of the project founders in the BRC20 space. who are continually building. Both had similar starts. Have both gone through you know a lot of ups and downs, a lot of changes but it seems like both of you have now kind of got a footing um, a few months later as to like, you know, what you can do with these and maybe the direction of the project. Uh, give us, give us a, you know, an explanation of uh, meta BRC.
0: Sure. hundred percent. So the thing about when I first started, you know, getting involved in like the Bitcoin space, um, cause I come from like an Ethereum background and I'm not really like the, art. I don't have like the art background or anything related to like art. Right. So that's, That's, I think, one of the weaknesses maybe I have. But understanding tokenomics or their utility or even like the entire DeFi thing, that's where my interest lied more, right? So for me, the natural route route to take with the entire Bitcoin thing was, you know, tokens. To me, it it was natural, right? So when looking at Bitcoin, uh, other protocols and blockchain, um, I think Bitcoin has like the biggest in terms of like value locked. I'm not talking about DeFi ecosystem, I'm just, you know, talking about money sitting on the sidelines, right, waiting for something to happen on chain. So there are a few ecosystems, uh, if you look at other chains, there are a few ecosystems with their own tokens and currency through which you can exchange, like, you know, Ethereum. But I feel like it was something that was lacking on Bitcoin, right, and with the come up of, like, BRC20 token, um, you know, what I figure is that there might be this additional utility that we can bring to these tokens, right? Um, I know there's a couple projects building the proper infrastructure uh, to be able to use these BRC tokens. We're extremely early. Um, I think what happened initially was that, you know, when brc 20 tokens kind of arrived with the Ordinals protocol, we kind of inherited from like the meme coin hype that was happening on Ethereum with like Turbo Pepe, I think we're coming off of that. We had the, you know, we we had Ordinals Protocol becoming more and more mainstream amongst like Bitcoin enthusiasts, and I believe these were some of the factors that enable like the huge hype for BRC20 that we saw. Uh, unfortunately, I think over the past months, uh, people kind of became like impatient, right, about the entire uh, BRC20 ecosystem, because um, like many said, it's, it's a lot harder to build, to build on Bitcoin than people can imagine, but... So my approach with like the entire meta BRC, um, the tokens were natural, it made sense to me to offer utility to that, right, because usually what happens is that if you have, for instance, like, um, some people rather take like the ART route, I take the token route, knows? Uh, and NFT for general, for me, it's, you know, more complicated to understand because Uh, You have to get it right, right, For to be able to, you know, gather a community around your art, but tokens is just, for me, the simplest representation of like ownership that people understand, right? So whenever you mention like a token, people immediately understand that in terms of utility, uh, either you could stake it, uh, you could use it as medium medium exchange, you can pot- potentially exchange it on like a one-to-one ratio with like another currency. So there's a lot of things for me when I look at the rc 20 token that we can actually do, right? So in terms of meetup DRC, what we were looking for is actually helping in building the required infrastructure for these BRC tokens to kind of thrive, right? So that was the initial, that was the entire purpose, you know, of the project. There's a lot happening behind the scenes. There's a lot of projects working, and at the step where we're at, um, I would say I'm even more bullish than when I first started, because I actually see you know tangible progress, right? So uh, that's where I would say we're currently at with regarding the entire BRC20 and uh, you know the entire ecosystem as a whole.
2: Yeah, it's it's quite interesting when you look at or when you compare the Ethereum. PFP ecosystem and kind of the Bitcoin BRC20, um, right? We kind of started with, or the ordinal side started with, you know, BRC20s. And now it seems like you and Bitgod are kind of moving towards the, you know, the art side, the NFT equivalent. And then when you look at the PFPs, they started with, you know, the NFT and the art or what you call art. And then they kind of moved into the token. Obviously, we know what happens when PFP communities launch a token, right? It just went pretty much straight down. So maybe this is a little bit of a different dynamic. I did pull up here uh, for those that are watching. You know, one of your recent announcements. There's a lot of things that uh, you've dove into, um, which I'd like to dive into. Um, One is the recursive playground, which I believe is your is going to be the thing that's coming up next. Uh, You've been very big on DAOs. Um, You even have a DAO researcher on the team, and then you have an ordinals drop. Um, coming as well. I think I believe it's called the ordinals. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, the recursive playground uh, What this is and, and why did you decide to kind of build this this tool? Um, to, to assist with the ecosystem
0: Sure, so um, for the first point regarding the recursive playground, right initially when I kind of started the piece uh, in, in this space uh, with the entire meta BRC project I think one of the main issues I had was uh, to kind of find like the art, the art style that kind of represented the community best, right? And um, on top of that, I think one of the other things that kind of drive drove me to, you know, you know, push me—not drove me, but you know, push me or made me reluctant to kind of go towards the the art route. It's just because everything was so expensive on like Bitcoin. Right, the inscriptions uh, there was also you know the narrative, the narratives around rare sets which people were uh, you know just becoming fan of and I think the overall complexity of having art on Bitcoin was so huge right So when what happened is that when the recursive inscription kind of came along that's where you know something just popped in my head I was like um, there's a new way to release art right? And with this new way, not only does it lower, like, the entry cost for people to build collection, but with the recursive inscription, you could actually just inscribe traits and have a collection, you know, grow over time, right? As the community grows or changes, you, you'd be able to adapt, you know, traits from that collection and just have people re-inscribe or inscribe these traits on, like, new art, right? And that's, I think, what, what, what kind of drove me to release something called Recursive playgrounds. And there's also like a lot of lesson, lessons I learned from like the Ethereum ecosystem, right? So it's it's very difficult to please an entire community. It's always gonna be something like 50-50. So going with, um, you know, I saw a lot of narratives on Twitter saying like the 10K PFP is dead. Uh, this is dead, this is not working. I think the best uh, way to release a project is always release a project or you know, art in the image of the community, having something that, you know, that the community can benefit and enjoy. And that leads me to my next point of having a DAO, right? Because as much as, you know, founders, you have a vision for the project, it's always important to kind of take into account what community wants also for the project, right? Of course, you're not gonna be able to please everyone, but the purpose of a DAO was to kind of help each other out in terms of resources, uh, try to help, uh, you Fun projects. Uh, it's not only about like the monetary or financial aspect, it's also about like the technical resources, right? In the past couple of months of just me being in the space, I was able to actually you know, just by knowing certain people, I was able to connect teams uh, that were able to work together. Uh, I've known a couple of teams that were working with like improving like, um, you know, indexers or working on their own projects and that's where something kind of clicked in my mind. I was like, you know, there's a couple of teams working on the same things, right? Um, Is there something that these people can do by working together, right? These are some of the things that kind of, you know, came into my mind. And essentially the DAO is all about building a project that helps community and just provides resources. So that was the main, you know, intention behind building a DAO. And um, just remind me of the other point I think you mentioned. The Ordinal ordinal Collection, your upcoming collection yeah the Ordinals collection i would say this has been like the most difficult part right because um everything you might be doing on bitcoin obviously is going to be compared to what's been happening on ethereum right not only in terms of like art quality um it's also going to you're also going to back to have like comparison like when is the next uh, who's going to be like the next azuki who's going to be the next and um i have i've had like Rough start with like the Ormros collection and just you know, previewing some art. I think you're aware of it, you've been in the Discord, so um, it's been something difficult. So I said, you know what, um, I read some advice on Twitter. It's like if you're about to put something out, don't put something that's portable, right? Just put something when you're ready to put it out. I think that's that has been my approach for the last you know, couple months.
2: Go ahead, Bunzi. Yeah, <clears throat> I think.
7: Like, I want to take, excuse me, it's still early, but, all right, here we go. I got the pipes cleaned. Um, I mean, having Bitcoin and Good here, like, working with BRC20s, working on a DEX, and kind of, you know, experimenting with peer-to-peer swapping, I just want to propose the question to you guys of, like, for a BRC20 to, you know, remain sustainable, there needs to be utility. I know that word gets thrown around a lot, and I guess as we saw ERC20s become sustainable on Ethereum with like ecosystems of like, say you want to use this tool or do something of the sort, depending on how many tokens or, um, you know, or you could arbitrage that, I guess the more direct question would be, is there anything you guys are looking to explore with your BRC20 that could accept Bitcoin and your unique token to kind of allow market arbitrage for holders to kind of have the option to pay in Bitcoin or BRC20? Is that something you guys have been exploring?
0: Yeah, 100%. So I think uh, the first few things um, that think I saw that work perfectly were, uh, were well are like these, you know, all these raffles, these auctions. So I think this brings like uh, baseline utility to like the BRC20 token, right? I think the big next step for BRC token would kind of be... Uh, the ability to have a DeFi infrastructure on Bitcoin, which I think is probably like the most challenging thing. But DeFi has always been you know, market proof, right? Whether it's during a bull or a bear market, there's always something to do on these protocols or ecosystem, right? And I think at the core level what everyone wants, uh, despite being part of the community, it's at the end of the day, people want to be able to make money on their assets, right? And having you know, all these uh, DeGen traders sharing strategies on how to make money with BRC token. I think that's also what, you know, brought the initial hype to BRC20 tokens, right? Um, When I discovered BRC20 token, it was on a small forum. So um, I think it was a couple of traders talking about BRC12 token, how to profit from, you know, arbitrage and trading from BRC20s. And I think it brought lots of liquidity into the market. But if we don't evolve at the same pace as these traders, I think we're going to start lagging behind and then you know, they might be moving to other protocols or blockchain. So I would say DeFi for me is the next, you know, big door to to break down. I
7: couldn't agree more because I think volume is due to um, use of tokens. If Once you hold a token, it you know, yes, hodling is a, a, a strategy, but for a market to flourish, I think people need the option to do something with said token. Otherwise, you have, you know, an asset that, is highly speculative. That quickly gets, you know, everyone goes to the the dark side of it. Of like, all right, this is nothing to do. It's like it's so crazy, Vicca. You're like, I launched this two months ago. That is <laughs> insane. That literally is insane. I feel like that was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it just with the amount of things that have occurred, have th- that you've accomplished, that you've done with it, with matched like with the elephant in the room of like people like that's not another th- like what are you talking about. Because I think at the rate of this is evolving, let's just parallel it to ERC20s, right? I think DeFi summer was the the big kind of push of what you could do with an ERC20, what that really meant. And then we always have shit coining in between to kind of bridge those kind of gaps in big tech, like innovations that make these tokens go burr. So, like, I completely agree with you, good. I think l- allowing, like pro traders, if you will, or lack of a better word, like active traders to um, participate in DeFi with BRC20s is going to increase volume and a lot of activity because volume means, you know, chart go up, more people get interested, brings in more outside liquidity while um, doing that. But I also, I think, you know, the PFP narrative is interesting and kind of, you know, played out. And I think the ordinals uh, communities just, what Ethereum did on steroids, just expediting through the whole thing really quick. And people are like, okay, we've gone through the speculative phase. What are we going to do with these? But I do still think there's a lot of room for like what you're doing with uh, like art collections with a BRC 20 being the, the, um, the native token to keep that thing moving. So big God, this one's more geared towards you with like, with a BRC 20 background that you have in some of these collections, like, how do you see those things working together better than just saying okay let's just do bitcoin for art collection like what are like the x factors of why a brc20 would make it as exciting as i think it can make it but i just want to hear it from you of like how you're thinking about um art and brc20s and why that's different than art and bitcoin
3: yeah i mean i think what's what's interesting is I think that, of course, these are are semi or or sort of like, yeah. I think semi fungible is probably the right word, given you know how difficult it can be to actually you know facilitate trading with this stuff because you do have to inscribe the transfer function um, before you can really do anything, either either you know sending, buying, selling. Um, I think that that the way we look at it is it just enables, I think, you know, more of, of really the community. I think that we have, you know, OXBT has I think around or a little over 16,000 holders, which is, you know, regardless of, of how much, you know, you hold, that is, you know, one of the larger communities on, on Bitcoin. And I think that that's really powerful. Right. And I think that, that, you know, I've talked a little bit to the community and, you know, of course the rest of the team and, I think it's also, it also comes down to like, what actually makes sense to, you know, ourselves as a business, but also like, what makes sense to to Bitcoin? Like, you know, there's about maybe four or five different things you could really build um, or try and build that uh, might be interesting, but, you know, those are, you know, like a game, right? A metaverse, uh, you know, maybe a DeFi protocol, stuff like that, like... I, I think all of that stuff is great. But I think also, again, like what makes more, most sense for the business, we don't necessarily have competency or, or you know, serious competency in building something like that. And to promise something like that to anyone, I think is, is, is of course, very dangerous if you don't have both confidence as well as experience in in doing those type of things. And so that isn't something that I want to do. Um, you know what I've become? I think more passionate over time about is really art. It's kind of weird. I've become an art guy, um, and that was never the case previously. Um, well, I shouldn't say never. I, I, there's definitely some inspiration from you know my parents on that side in the past. But yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. Ordinals has really turned me into an art guy, and Lynn has turned me into an art guy, um, and it's quite odd. But I think that like that's where the competency lies for myself. Uh, I think for some of the people on uh, uh, the team as well as, you know, it makes the most sense for, for what ordinals was created for, which was of course as an art project. Um, And so I think that like, this is where fine art should live, right? This is where Bitcoin, uh, I'm sorry, fine art should live on Bitcoin. And that's what we really want to lean into. Um, So I'm really excited. And, and I think it's, I think it's a great question though.
7: I love that. And kind of what, where my head was at is, I think what that allows is because I'm with you, I think fine art inscribed on Bitcoin as a digital asset where it's not pointing to some IPFS consolidating everything and you kind of have this Fugazi like hash that just points to stuff. I do think owning fine art on Bitcoin is going to be the, you know, the most, in my opinion, the most goaded way to own digital artifacts. But I think what's interesting about the BRC20 and art conversation is we see that, and we have this question time and time again. Are you here for the art? And I think what the BRC20 part allows is for people that want to collect it, I know it's rare, and I like to think it's more people than it is, but, like, they can hold it and collect it. But people that want to arbitrage and do stuff against that collection, I think the BRC20 now allows for that activity because people are wanting to do that. Like, people just, they flip this shit, and like, no, no matter how you look at it. So I think... Once people arbitrage and do cool activity with BRC20s against collections and kind of build an ecosystem around that, these are gonna be the some of the more bigger collections that I feel like that have sustainability to appease those people that want to move their tokens to make them feel like they're, you know, doing something. But I just think that's kind of the next phase of where we're heading with a lot of these. A lot of these technologies specifically on bitcoin and brc20 tech getting built out but i want to go to some of the hands unless uh anyone has but randy's had his hand up and then we'll go to good
10: yo yo good morning good morning thanks jake and the hosts for having me up um yeah i know i was just kind of gonna come back to this idea that like ordinals is only six months old it's pretty crazy to think about it feels like it has been years and i don't know it's just we've already seen this massive hype wave run up and then this massive downturn and like ordinals are dead now and all this stuff and it's just it's just really interesting to see how much uh, has happened over the last six months in this in this space i think honestly um attention spans are just decreasing and if you don't have the capacity and the the money and the funds and the teams, uh, the, you know, big enough teams really with lots of engineers, um, to keep up, then you're going to fall behind. And and it really is these downtimes that enable smaller teams to, to come back and, and get their shit together, um, and get ready for the next run up, you know, if it does come. Um, so it, it, it's like, you know, your are positioning in the market, uh, how many people you have on your, on your team how many engineers that are competent and capable of like building stuff rapidly because attention spans are only decreasing look at um the unibot and like the meme token run-ups and turndowns. those happened over the course of seven you know 14 days max um and all of a sudden it's like nobody's even trading on you like any of the if you bought any of those other coins like hams and and omnia and stuff you're just it's like down to zero. It went from zero to a hundred to zero within two weeks. Um, and that product is brand new. They just came out. And I bet you their volume is less than half of what it was at their all time highs already. Um, and so you, if you're not prepared for a world where it's instant attention to the max, and then uh, if you can't keep up and your team's not big enough and it, it falls off, um, then you're just really going it, to it's going to be a, a struggle out here you're going to have to make as much money as a business as you possibly can during those times when you have maximum attention and you're going to have to allocate those funds properly during the downtimes to prepare yourselves for for the big comebacks you know sure. Well, and,
3: I, think, I think Randy like that's that's what's interesting is i mean the majority of exchanges right like make the majority of their money in about two or three quarters right uh, yes. during the bull Right. And so like, and then from there, liquidity is dried up, right? Like you're probably not going to be able to, to raise too much money post that, right? You have a small window to, to prepare yourself for, you know, And those windows
10: happening. are going to get even smaller. I think, yeah. Over time, I think it's going to, it's like, you know, you get a whole quarter of a bull run or maybe two if you're lucky out of the year. And then it's like one and now it's like two weeks, like you get two weeks and if you're not prepared for it, you're fucked. But if you, and, but at the same time, there, it is kind of like uh, a blessing to small teams like mine and yours, Big God, and I know Bunzi and all Jake, all you guys were all kind of like small teams on the come up in this space. And it can be a blessing if you can take advantage of those big run-ups and then use the downtime to build out your team, to, to make the right moves, to, to build the right stuff, to have the right ideas, and, and to uh, execute on those during those downtimes. So that when the next one happens, you're there, you're prepared, you're ready to, to, to pivot at any moment's notice. Um, and your platforms are stable and your indexers are good and all of that stuff. Like Now we have the chance to, to, come, to go back in and, and fix all that stuff. It's really funny. I was talking to Harry, our lead developer, yesterday on a hike. And we Ordinal's Wallet had its highest volume day when our BR, when BRC20 came out. And our BRC20 indexer at the time was like Frankenstein <laughs> BRC20 indexer. And so we got, we got all this um, volume and all this income and all these fees from traders on this crappy BRC20 indexer. Um, so then we went and reinvested all this time immediately into making that BRC20 indexer and that BRC20 experience as good as we possibly can. We added the minting uh, we made sure that it was all set up properly, and then all of a sudden, nobody's interested in BRc twenty anymore. So all that investment post run up was like, like we made more money just capitalizing on the the market um, attention and what what the market wanted during that time. But it didn't really matter afterwards that we were able to like kind of get our shit together, pull it all together, make it all work um, and stable because the hype wave was over. People weren't really interested in that and they had moved on to the next thing and we, we had to be ready to pivot right down in there at any time. Um, so that was like a really interesting kind of case study as to like, what is really going on in this ecosystem? And especially when the, the attention shifts really quickly and, it, and it's like, Ordinals got all the attention from Ethereum and Solana during that big run up and investment. Um, and then it moved over to Ethereum uh meme tokens and um like unibot stuff and then now it's like back into solana and like whatever chain you came from people are kind of going back to that uh chain and that's why we're seeing a downturn in nfts and and token volume across chains it's not just ordinals it's it's ethereum it's solana it's it's hitting hard everywhere and people are kind of just going back to where they're familiar right now um you know the when it's new and exciting it's going to consolidate like it did with ordinals and now uh you know in the next bull run it's going to be real competition it's going to be really who on ordinals can compete with the likes of OpenSea and blur and who on solana can compete with i mean who on bitcoin can compete with the likes of magic eden and uh whatever that other big uh, marketplace is on solana i forget the name but they're out there and they've had years to build and they have hundreds of millions of dollars and they have probably 50, 60 engineers working for them or, 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 you know, somewhere in the tens of engineers even is like a place where we aren't even at yet. Um, And to be able to even compete with them at this level is pretty exciting. I mean, you know, if you had asked me two years ago, if I would be going head to head with my small team against magic Eden for, um, you know, marketplace, you know, head-to-head marketplace war with Magic Eden. I would have been like, well, those are the big dogs. You know, I don't know. I doubt it. You know, and now I'm looking at guys like OpenSea and Blur, and I'm like, and Magic Eden, like, like I'm coming for you, motherfuckers. You know, <laughs> we're building at them now, and uh, and hopefully we'll be able to to seriously compete um, pretty soon. And and you know, they're innovating at a at a rate that like is really hard to keep up with. They're constantly coming out with updates that are like really helpful and valuable in the ecosystem and like despite the fact that we have like a stronger brand and that people want to use our product um i think that their product is just genuinely servicing the market faster and better than we can we can handle right now and we've got to change that we've got to change that quick if we want to if we want to be able to keep up and then during the next market cycle
2: yeah magic eden is really just running the same playbook that they've done with their three other uh marketplaces before they came into to ordinals they had Solana, which was the, their beginning, then they had Polygon, then Ethereum, now they're on to Ordinals, also they raised $190 million at the peak of the bull run, so right, that's kind of where all that capital comes from. I want to call yeah. on Good, because I know Good had his hand, on, hand up, then we'll go on Bitman, and uh, then I'll move the conversation forward. Yeah, sorry, I almost
0: forgot what I wanted to say, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been waiting too long, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um I think it's, it's it might be like a little out of context, but just hopping off of what you know Bunzi said earlier. I think sometimes we're kind of having these, you know, conversation about um, you know, like it's BRC versus ordinals, right? I don't think really that the two are like mutually exclusive, right? And I know um, I'm I'm heavy I'm big into like the DeFi thing, but I do see a lot of value in the ordinal space, right? And um if you in my opinion, right, I think uh, projects or the entire ecosystem it would be kind of better to like focus on you know the biggest common common problems right which seems to be always liquidity right like Randy just said um, you're able to profit off of certain market cycles but when there's a downturn that's when things become complicated and then there's competition against like you know these bigger platforms right and I think if i'm not mistaken like most of the problems that you know the entire bitcoin ecosystem is facing is liquidity now the question is always how do we get more liquidity into these ecosystem right? and what we need to figure out is what we need to what we understood is that this, essentially we need different players into the game right we need people who are interested in the rc20 token as much as people who are interested in Ordinals. and the simplest example i can give for that is for instance we have this new um you know, lending lending platform, uh liquidity you know, that kind of came into the scene, right? And what we did figure from that was um as much as you have people, you know, having ordinals that they want to, you know, lend uh in order to get like quick liquidity, uh, we have to figure out also a way to incentivize people who have liquidity to give liquidity, right? And I know we've had this I have this conversation with Jake like a while ago about, you know, trying to bring other communities into Bitcoin by allowing, you know, interoperation tools like, you know, swapping, bridging. I think I've always been big on interoperability. I think it could be like a huge bonus for the space. And um, yeah, so that's about what I thought about bringing liquidity and all the issues you might be facing. i
1: push back against that a little bit. Sorry, Jake. Um, well, saying that the thing that's needed is liquidity. Um, I'd say the thing that's needed is interesting new stuff um, that will bring liquidity. Right. I mean, it's like, people need to build stuff that's cool and that people want to use and has functionality. You know, the idea that we're just going to basically copy pasta what's been done on Ethereum and bring it over onto Bitcoin that has validity. Like I'm not saying that's not, that doesn't work. It does work, but that's not going to bring new, interesting, you know, new people into the space and get them interested in something, the next thing. And I don't think the next thing, frankly, is, you know, art nfts not to shit on you what you guys are doing anybody what anybody's doing because i do think art nfts have value but realistically what the entire space needs is like okay we had DeFi, we had nfts what's the next thing that's what i'm yeah. kind of looking at
10: I, I agree i think that the focus on liquidity is kind of the wrong way to look at it we, we need to be looking at it as how can we add as much value to these people as we possibly can and, and focus specifically on people who are already, you know, web three users, how can we add value to these people who like to be online all the time and engaging in these markets and speculating, you know? And so I think this is actually a pretty good time to bring in the, the champions of otherworldly magic. Yeah. Cause I think this is a great use case for, or, or at least example of a use case that has the potential to kind of capture not just web three users but outside markets and to bring them into the fold into the web three type of thing where you have a real game that people can play against each other, um, in, in, you know, having similar experiences to Hearthstone and, and and comparable experiences to real serious games. Um, and then bring in the web three aspect of it that is like paid, you know, peer to peer, um, you know, money games and tournaments and stuff like that and then you also have the nft aspect where each card you have to own the card on chain in order to play that card in the game so it's like deck building becomes a whole nother aspect of um, the thing and then all of a sudden you have real demand and real reason for demand these people can go and buy these cards and, and develop these decks in the way that they want them and the way that helps them win these games and then those games earn money and that those trades become profitable over time for like the best players and and the people who really are thinking about it the most um stuff like this is really gonna is gonna push the space forward as opposed to just like how do we you know get as much attention as possible it's going to continue to be the same cycles over and over again if all we're doing is like hype wave and then like you know, less attention, it dies out and then hype wave again. What we really need is like people who are genuinely interested in like engaging in these communities and being a part of these things and playing these games and, and stuff like that. And when you do that, what you end up with is like a long tail, uh, graph that's just always kind of moving in the right direction. Um, because there's real interest and there's real long-term potential, um for growth there
2: so randy yeah. randy are you are you saying that game fight on ordinals um could be that sector that um is niche to ordinals that'll attract uh, other communities to kind of come back and I participate mean, anything, outside of every, speculation
10: every chain is going to start to compete in this space and i don't think speculation is a bad thing i think speculation is a really good thing i think when you get real true market pricing on things you have uh a better world in in a lot of ways um and so i think that the that the next wave is going to be in like fantasy sports and gambling like obviously that's a major use case for crypto um video games um and then like just general speculation on everything like if you could have we were talking about this in the space with jack lou the other day but if you could have uh, a, a restaurant reservation system or a tea time reservation system that is like basically it's a bidding system where if, uh, if I have a tea time for 10.30 tomorrow on the golf course and I paid 20 bucks for it and then somebody comes in and bids 50 bucks for it, he gets the tea time, I make a profit and so does the, the golf course. All of a sudden you have like true market pricing for all kinds of stuff. Um, and and this stuff is all constantly being speculated on. I mean, is, there's really there's a ton of really interesting use cases that we've never gotten to in crypto. I think a lot of reason, a lot of that reason is because, like, blockchain scalability and stuff like that. Um, but the NFTs is just the tip of the iceberg. We we really need to start to discover real use cases for people in order to to access that like you know big iceberg that's under the water there um before we can you know if we just keep doing the same things over and over again like adam said we're going to end up in the same places over and over again and and honestly attention is going to decrease over time not increase and we haven't seen that yet so it's 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 getting to that point where people are going to have to get value in their lives or they're going to just get the fuck out
2: of here. I, I would push back a little bit though and say that attention does increase during bull markets. Um, that's kind of why they become so prolonged in the bear market attentions. You know, it, it just decreases because people realize how bad down bad they are and that they don't want to participate. And also I'd say a lot of the builders, as you'd mentioned in, a, in the bear market tend to turn inwards and really kind of focus on building yeah. rather than, you know, and, speculating and Don't, don't and promoting.
10: get me wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I love the PFP um, game. I think that looking cool on the internet is only going to become more popular, not less popular. I think that personal branding on the internet is going to become more important, less important, especially as like IRL markets, like retail businesses. And like, you know, if you were to open a coffee shop in COVID, for example, you would be totally squeezed out right now. All that stuff is getting pushed onto the internet, whether we like it or not. And your internet branding and your your personal brand is going to become the most important thing in the world for you to, you know, basically provide for your family. Um, I think that's happening. That's going to happen whether we like it or not. And I think that PFPs play a major role in like enabling people to establish brands, get involved in communities, increase their followers, increase their following, and then maybe create a business around that. Um, the opportunity is, is definitely rising and not falling in terms of online branding and then what you can do with that. So I, I, I don't get me wrong. Like I do think – and I love NFTs. I love PFPs. I have thousands of them, literally. <laughs> um, I, just, I just think – and I do think that that is a valuable thing. That it, like the, my NFTs are very valuable, valuable to me. I,
2: um, I have thousands yeah. of NFTs in my hidden folder. I want to call on Bitman. He's been waiting patiently, and then we'll go out to Champions and up to Bunsey.
9: Good morning, fam. Uh, you know, good to be here and everything. And uh, as I listen to this conversation, man, and um, you know, I think what can what can be done for BRC twenties or just for like the market as a whole, man. I, I honestly think like we're at this point to where we were blessed in the bull market and the remnants of that kind of like left us in a in a place as far as like we're still. We still got to perform like it's in a bull market and everybody has these expectations. And um, I really feel like the expectations, like what people are, are putting on the creators at this point are just, they're just too, they're just too like huge, man. They're too like, it's too hard to fill those shoes, man. Like, I think the expectations should be downed a little bit and then just everybody just should continue to to build, man. That's, I think that's going to be the, hey guys, the thing that gets us there. And uh, all the other ones. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, this is just a, I don't know, man. It's just like, it feels like everything is just too inflated and, and everybody's going off of the same players. There's a million, you know, there's a million ways, you know, things that you can say that can be done. And, and there's like, I don't know, I just feel like people just need to just the creators, the the people that are in this space that are in here, like doing real shit, doing big things. Um, I think they just need to just put their heads down and build, man. Um, you know and I, like with the speculation with the speculation i honestly feel like that's one of like the key things of a of a bull market to where when the when the bull does come like the more you can speculate on a project like the more profitable it can seem you know i feel like that's going to have like a, a lot of the money um flowing into it uh because i mean if you guys been here for a couple of these bull markets you know like there's a lot of these these coins or these things that come out and they're not really worth nothing, but just the fact that you can be like, yo, this, you know, could possibly do this and it can possibly do that. And, you know, that can be, uh, just because it can possibly do that, it can possibly worth a billion trillion dollars and you know? Um, so, you know, I, I just feel like the speculation is, is, is great. You know, if you have that in a project, but, uh, you know, as long as, uh, as long as you just build up that war chest building, um, moving the market forward uh you know and just focusing on on bettering yourself man and uh you know giving that to the to the project you're building on or the project that's being built and development that's being input into the space i feel like that's going to be the way to win and then when the bull market comes now all of a sudden you got twenty thousand announcements you got saved up because you just been having your head down and and working um but yeah that's all i got to say well
2: well said yeah uh there's there's a reason why the cliche is uh, builder, or building a bear market, and it's because from what I've learned during a bull market, when you're an operator or you're running a project, it's impossible to push any updates, you know, when your systems are consistently overloaded. Uh, go ahead, champions.
8: Yeah, I was just going to hop in here and touch on some of the stuff Randy said, and I mean, similar, you know, we're, everyone on our team, we're all you know, Bitcoin to gens, we collect, we all have thousands of these ordinals and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're just, our genuine interest here is just like building cool stuff on Bitcoin. And I mean, we, you know, are super stoked with uh, the direction here. We feel, you know, some of these games that are being built on Bitcoin right now are just, you know, so far behind what you know call of duty and things that gamers actually want to do and with our game and for example uh in the trading card genre i mean you can play it right now and you can tell that it's just not too far behind like the leading games in this category like hearthstone uh magic the gathering online so we are you know super stoked that that's like that's what's going to drive bitcoin forward is having these low cost assets that are like stored on the chain that that can be used for things outside of Bitcoin. So, uh, yeah, you know, appreciate you guys shouting us out and, uh, yeah, I mean, any comments or anything on that, but yeah, it feels like, you know, where this is the first time where something built on Bitcoin can, you know, be compared to something on just traditional web too, where if you really just care about the game, you know, you can throw in a hundred, 200 bucks and, uh, get to playing it, you know?
2: When you when you look at the history of of NFTs in general, the first actual NFT quote unquote NFT collection was actually a trading card game on Bitcoin called Spells of Genesis. So the fact that you guys came in and you know actually had a lot of success so far uh, just shows that simplicity um, is is what's necessary to find um, some sort of attraction, but also people just want to play. People want to do stuff um, outside of speculation. Um, although, you know, we need speculation because it begets liquidity, which gets attention and so on and so forth. But I was lucky enough to, you know, record with you guys and I'd pinned it to the top for anybody who wants to uh, listen to that podcast. Can you just give us a brief, brief explanation of what the project is? And then since your launch on Ordinal's wallet, which was, I believe, about a month ago, um, can you give us some some numbers as to... Uh, the the amount of users you guys are seeing or demand?
8: Yeah, I mean, so like basically our project is like a turn-based trading card game that's similar to Hearthstone, Magic: Gathering, Pokemon. Uh, we have like 151 champions. You know, these cards are duplicated. Uh, players have to build a deck of 25 to 30 cards in order to, you know, play ranked or compete in these tournaments that we're hosting and stuff like that and uh yeah just kind of the numbers we minted 30,000 cards on a uh, ordinal's wallet yeah three weeks ago or so now uh yeah sold i don't know what they were like six or seven bucks with fees and then yeah the secondary market's just uh been about i think i checked last night 3.5 3.3 btc in secondary volume but uh yeah i mean even since we talked on your podcast like uh you know the game's already improved significantly we've updated the game board all of the bugs that you know some we ran into on stream those have all been fixed and yeah this past weekend we ran our first tournament had about uh 30 35 players uh yeah you know we're the big thing here in like the trading card game and like I said I think we can compete with Hearthstone and Pokemon and all of these like web 2 experiences online as far as uh teach TCGs but also you know trading card games of like fallen behind the rest of gaming as far as like tournament prizes and things like that and so that's really going to be our uh avenue going forward is you know we're going to try to run monthly tournaments for five ten thousand dollar first prize and then have like a you know big ass world championship at the end of the year so yeah i mean you know there's a lot of exciting things to go and like I said, our team's all Bitcoiners, so it doesn't matter what happens today. We're just going to keep building and pushing this forward. And, yeah, I mean, we uh, are really, like, diving into the media and content. So we are about to, you know, have a full-scale, like, marketing attack over Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all of this stuff uh, coming here shortly. But, yeah, appreciate you having us up and talking about the project. Yeah, yeah about- I to mean,
10: I, I just want to kind of say, like, Think about this. Like, how often do you see an NFT collection that mints? And on the day of mint, they already have a working version of a game. No, I mean, you got breakfast. Player versus player against somebody else. And then on top of that, post mint, they've already, you know, made their bag or whatever. They're doing tournaments, right? So they just had their first tournament the other day. And it's like, that's obviously like a direction that makes a lot of sense there. Um, I don't know. I just think... I think that this is something that we don't see often. We haven't really seen before in ordinals, especially, and it's exciting. You know, it's an exciting thing, especially during this bear market. Like, what you know, like what's good?
2: Yeah, when you-
7: I feel,
10: like, I feel like good
7: right now. I just have this conversation has so many good topics that I want to chime in on, but I just I think that you know this game is the perfect example of making something with restrictions being a part of the creation process. Like, for example, when you create normal, it has to be under a certain amount of megabytes. And, like, there's beauty in the restrictions. And I think this model explains and highlights the beauty of a game that's not Fortnite that kids are playing that don't have money anyways is a game where, <clears throat> you know, you can have hard assets. Because I play Magic the Gathering. And if you own a very expensive card, you're not putting that in your deck and carrying that around. You have like a proxy card and you can prove that you own the the high value asset and it's safe. And I think in a model like this, where every 10 minutes in the middle of a game, if you're swapping cards, like you're out, like you're, you're cut, you're out. And this is a provable way to own assets, play with them and meet the market where it's at. Because I think a lot of creators and innovators want to meet the market where it's not at. And we're thinking like, okay, we need call a duty to, we need to compete with that. And the, the realization that I've starting to make is you don't need to compete with things that are already proven in a different model. You need to meet the market where it's at. And like, basically, you know, with the legalities of an open market, and meeting people of like basically we just need to gamify gambling and make a casino like I, I it sounds rough but like that's essentially what this shit is and the moment someone knows that like okay i'm gonna play this card game and that's like poker level some people just want fucking slots and that's the nft randomized mint model and the moment that people stop like Putting a curtain over it and pretending to be something that they're not, and be like, okay, this is a straight up fucking ZK. Like, odds are not in your favor, but you can win big and just really start to build out models that are proven in IRL, if you will, or meat space. And like, I just think this card game, because I was going back and forth with Randy, I was like, dude, gaming on Bitcoin, no fucking way. Just no, like, we've tried the theorem, like, because what I was not connecting was, I was thinking like, we need to make a Fortnite of, but no, that's not the case. There's plenty of other models and things to build with, you know, the mempool taking 10 minutes and like, that is more sophisticated, long term games. And like, I think people overlook, like everyone wants that quick fix and like, sure. But it's the same thing with iPhone app development. You have to have a big, long conviction play with small things in between that can like fuel the market, if you will. So like Angry Birds comes out, that's a small idea, but that changed the way people started designing apps. And I think this is, I want to see this game be successful because I think it's the perfect model for Bitcoin gaming and assets. It matches provable markets like Pokemon, like Magic the Gathering, like Yu-Gi-Oh! These are provable markets that have KPIs and it works perfect with this technology. And I'm like, that's where I had to rethink the whole gaming model on Bitcoin because it makes me think the way it's going to happen is high <laughs> high value assets Bitcoin like okay maybe uh, things like in game currency you know maybe I don't know this is like a full blockchain scale. I'll digress on that thought but I just think <laughs> things on Bitcoin that need to get built are like this game.
1: But okay, that- Bunzi, why don't when are you going to build you turn your swap? Tool into like a casino, man, where people can like you know Uh put in their uh, ERC twenties and like spin the wheel, baby, spin the wheel.
7: No, but see, that's that's the issue. Is like back to being completely transparent with what the product is. I think people try to like bake too many things into one, and they're like, okay, we're this, that, and this, and that's where expectations get crazy and weird, and people are like, yo, big god, where is my fucking waterfall next to my (laughs) toilet i don't do anything about that you
2: don't use a bidet i never
7: talked about waterfalls i never talked about toilets why do you want that from me and that's the issue is people are like all right but this roadmap says my grandma gets fucking cheesecake (laughs) on sundays and like that's the problem it's like i think people need to be competent in their product have short-term products and conviction on a long-term one if you can't build something long-term like in in a like or you're scared about the volatility going to real estate going to something more like <laughs> like don't this isn't for you go but.
2: into real estate Let's, I love uh, it. hold on hold on guys hold on I I led on stage etherization if you don't know what etherization is it's actually one of the first nft games ever on ethereum built in Adam what was that like early 2016 early yeah, 2016 I'd yeah, love to, yeah. I'd love to hear etherization's opinion on everything for coming up on stage uh, sitting with yeah. one of the OGs.
11: Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Uh, It's Ivan here from Eterization. Thank you for letting me on. I just came home from my vacation and I saw the discussion and it's really a good one. Uh, I just wanted to say something. Uh, As you know, we're built on Ethereum. However, I'll tell you something. I've been in this space for like seven or eight years. And to be honest, I've seen many, many altcoins come and go. And the only thing which stays and will stay here for another hundred years at least is Bitcoin. So, whatever you build on Bitcoin, I believe it's here to stay. You know, I'm not even sure if Ethereum will be around in like 20, 30, 50 years, but Bitcoin will be here. So, keep building. That's that's the comment I have right now.
7: A bad man. This guy's thinking
1: 30, 50 years in it. 50 years, bro. I'm barely thinking tomorrow, man. <laughs>
7: 50 years. I was talking to fucking my fucking accountant that thinks I'm going to die.
10: <laughs> I have something to say on this topic, and then etherization is, is relevant here. I think what's interesting about this game is that like, they want a lot of people to be able to play the game, which would mean that you would need to keep card prices low, and, and as demand goes up, you would need to increase supply over time, similar to how Pokemon and Magic the Gathering does it. But there's also a balance there, right? Because you want attention, you want the price to go up for the, for the attention and the speculation aspect. And then if you oversupply, you end up like Magic Eden is now, which is in a really horrible spot. Um, they've just kind of flooded the market to the point where of no return and everybody's sick of them. Um, so to, to see, like, it really is important, the founders and their ethos and what their plan is to do, because you don't want to oversupply, but you also don't want the prices to get too high to price people out from actually playing the game. So there's a massive, like, economic and, and financial um, dynamic happening here that you don't necessarily always see in the NFT space. And the way that you manage that is going to be insanely important for the success of your game over time. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, maybe see, that.
7: Have- I see that as a, a, like a bonus point for doing it on blockchain. Cause for example, these card games, they do, that's the nature of building a game that is hard to scale with users. It's not infinitely scalable there's not enough cards but that's what builds high rarity and high you know but amongst pro players if you will like and magic i mean these games have accomplished it and so the model exists and i think there's interesting like i mean we could use not only statistics but like at this buy rate how many more cards will come into the ecosystem and there's a balance and like a delta there that like can be achieved through understanding 100% what is in circulation rather than, I mean, it's crazy. Some of these cards, not only can they be duplicated, fraudly made, and then not knowing how much is in circulation. So finding like, um, and I know Josh is fucking very savvy on this because he trades and, you know, is in the market of, of cards. And like, I think this opens up what we're all looking for is transparency We wanted that from the financial system, but like with assets like this, I don't have to go Google search how many black lotuses are in circulation, like how many have been burned or, you know, like we can know for sure, and that's a good thing. And that's like a good thing for a healthy game to continue to like, if you act in good faith, the blockchain rewards that. When you act in bad faith, it's like, dude, you're just, time's gonna lapse and people will see, what had happened. So I think when you act in good faith and do, and I, there's a difference between rugging and making mistakes. And I, I hope that gets addressed and like, but I do think that, um, I don't know. I'm just so bullish on this concept because knowing how many cards it is difficult equation to, to solve. But once you solve it, it, it will increase my incentive to buy in being like, Oh shit, all this is verifiable, proven, And I know who owns what, I can offer them trades. Um, And because if you look at- This is the thing though, dude,
1: nobody gives a shit about card games. That's right. not true. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I just want to gamble my tokens, dude. Can I just gamble <laughs> my goddamn <laughs> tokens, that hold digital assets. I'm joking to a degree, but at the end of the day, most people are not interested in that sort of thing. I, I agree most with you. And I'm, I'm not, not on card assets. games too
2: much. Well, here, here's the interesting thing about card games is that Eventually, the card games just end up becoming collectibles okay. and, and less about the actual gameplay itself, which, you know, is also a benefit. And I was having this conversation with, with champions about uh, moving the, the IP past a, a 2D and into the 3D and what this means and right, how you compare it to Pokemon, where it's the most valuable IP in the world. And uh, the cards are still like a, a nice size uh, or a, a decent percentage of its revenue. But it's not just that anymore. They've kind of molded into everything else. So maybe champions will kind of spin this conversation back up. Is kind of looking at it now, right? We're in the earliest stages uh, of ordinals. You've also deployed on Bitcoin SV. We talked about how you, you've considered, you know, putting cards also on Litecoin ordinals and what Dogenals and maybe some of the other opportunities down there. Uh, where do you where do you kind of see this going? And um, how do you look at you know, champions and say, how do we grow this bigger outside of just this 2D card game?
8: Uh, I mean, yeah, so I'll just touch on the first point. I mean, I think there's like a hundred million like monthly players of trading card games. So it's like still like a massive genre. There's, you know, huge tournaments all around the world. So I do think that there's plenty of people outside of Bitcoin that we can, you know, touch with this. So that's another, you know, intriguing fact of it is uh, yeah, it's not just catered to these web three people. We really want to target the web two And just all these, uh, you know, just trading card players. So there's that. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's all those directions we can go and, 3D assets and turn each one of these champions. We, you know, I've mentioned it on your podcast, the main devs here, like a crazy Unreal Engine dev. So, you know, imagine like an Unreal Engine world with all these champions, you know, battles inside that world. I mean, there's just so many directions we can go at that point. But really, we're just focused on like right now. Like, we just launched this, there's only 30,000 cards in the ecosystem. Like, we can't really spin the narrative of being a real trading card game with only thirty, you 30,000 know, <laughs> cards in circulation. So that really has to amp up. And, I mean, we're going full scale at this. Like, we want to compete with Hearthstone and these top titles in the genre uh, in that direction. So we still have a lot of work to do to even get there before we can even get to the, you know, growing outside of the 2D cards and stuff.
1: One, yeah, one question. Have
4: you, know,
1: have you thought about doing – um I mean, obviously, with only thirty thousand cards, uh, still a very small supply. But have you thought about? Because I mean, my my TikTok is filled with pack breaks, like all day long. These guys are doing pack breaks for Pokemon's, you know. Obviously, sports cards, NFL, basketball, all this yep. sort of stuff. It's continued. I mean, literally, guys are on live streams live streams for ten hours a day, un yeah. unboxing Pokemon cards, right? Um, With the hope of getting like the one in a million Pokemon card, right? Um, yep. have you, are, is that part of your, your long-term strategy doing something like that?
8: Yeah, it was actually part of our short-term strategy. Like actually, so we meant it on, yeah, Bitcoin SV. Some people from that community reached out to us too. When we originally were just going for Bitcoin ord- ordinals and said, Hey, we can do this over here. And we actually minted packs on uh Bitcoin SV five, 10 and 25 packs you could buy. Uh, but like kind of the next step to get to where you're talking about is, uh yeah, you know, minting these packs and then you have to, you know, you're just getting a pack in your wallet and then you actually have to take a next step to open this pack. And yeah, I mean that's like high up our uh priority list. It, what, you know, we're- you guys
7: ever entertain like doing physical cards that like marry with like NFC chips or something to like the digital version to Yeah, so of- one one
8: of the guys on the team's like, you know, uh been traveling around the country for Magic the Gathering tournaments and let's go you know, 30 years and he has contacts at all these comic shops and places where like these people are actually going and yeah there's just so much simple stuff we've actually had a you know card manufacturer reach out to us and give us a quote for us doing a run of these that's physical- so sick cuz yeah, another- i always
7: thought what would be super cool if i bought a magic pack or whatever a pre-made deck or a booster all those cards would populate my internet collection as well and that's not the case yeah they're like they're siloed individually and i'm like i think yes it would be obviously a very hard task to achieve but i think being a dual like digital and physical and like once the figures physicals get purchased like it represents digitally, but if those don't, the digital version still exists. I think it's super interesting to uh, to to roll out something along those lines. Yeah, maybe it's,
1: maybe it's possible just at the beginning that only the super rares get the digital as well. I don't know. It, it's interesting to see yeah. how that works. Um, having, like, uh,
7: if you get a if good you point. Get a, that's a good point because commons can just get yeah. That's that's interesting.
10: If you get a, like a Panini pack of like football cards, it also comes with like their little blockchain cards and nobody gives a fuck. So it's like,
11: yeah, really,
10: exactly. it, you could, you could spend a lot of money and time developing into this, you know, physical digital mashup thing. And, well, and on that and, note, no yeah. one gives
7: a fuck about PFPs.
11: Like go down the
10: street.
7: <laughs> like, no one yeah. gives a fuck. That, that, that doesn't check out to me. And kind of
8: like what our, you know, like kind of our play to attack that problem is really what we've learned is like all these trading card game players aren't like brand specific. All the trading card guys play Magic, they play Pokemon, they play Hearthstone, you know, they're familiar. So, you know, how you draw these people like that don't give a fuck about blockchain or whatever. And I think is like you have a $10,000 like card tournament. That's going to be the biggest trading card game tournament in like you know, of the month. So if we can have a game, that's, you know, the gameplay is similar to those. And we just put these, you know, cause there's more money in NFTs and like kind of this digital space than there currently is in trading card games. So we want to try to attract those players by, you know, having these like big ass tournaments and stuff like that.
7: Yeah, that's dope. I mean, it, it brings back like uh Bitcoin didn't give, a, I just wanted to use Silk Road and like, That's kind of the progression of, like, most of these things for onboarding if we use that term, like, as lightly as we do. But, like, there has to be that moment of, like, oh, now this is what makes sense and why I should care. Um, And I think this – I don't know. Obviously, I'm biased. I play Magic the Gathering. um, and Nerd. Nerd. (laughs) Dude, I want to dunk with my digital and physical collection. Like, that's just – I think that is – To me, it just makes the most sense. Like, starting another Call of Duty on-chain, just that fucking is going to take fucking ever. Yeah, and kind
8: of like what you said, where, like, we can, not only do we think we can meet the market, you know, where the market's at, like, we think we can provide, like, a better product. Like, you know, imagine... You know the Charizard number sixteen or whatever has you know won a big ass tournament. That's all recorded as data for that specific char, that or you know that card that increases collectability. Say Charizard seven has never been used in a game. That's more collectible.
7: Um, yeah, as and far then, as dude, dunking, yeah, <laughs> that's like the new style of grading because now it's like, dude, how used yeah, like exactly. how Post Malone? Own? That's interesting because what another cool thing people don't were. I'm sure people do, but like they don't deteriorate physically. All these assets don't aren't like um, exposed to that issue, which is fucking really awesome as well. Um, yep. so and yeah imagine. I mean, dude, I'm super biased on all this because this conversation has been super fire too. I'm super pumped for this show too yeah, and, to and imagine things up. like attaching like
8: emotes to specific cards so if you make like a killing blow with charizard 3 it's got this you know nft emote that you've unlocked from our gameplay i mean like i i said i think we can exceed like the experience of these like physical cards and then have a equal oh, like the fatality
7: not. graphic Just yes like,
8: exactly like finish oh, shit, like, nordy Game and it does some like badass animation or whatever.
2: So, cha- so- champions, I have a question: uh, Is there any intention, or has the team put any thought into diving deeper, maybe having some some integrations within you know the broader ordinal ecosystem, like you know leveraging a BRC twenty token, or trying to bring the game to BitMap or whatever that yep. becomes. Or are, yeah. or are you just using Bitcoin as kind of just like this landing place where you just want to have uh, cards tokenized on on every chain?
8: Yeah, I mean, uh, initially, that's kind of the strategy is we want like to not you to be able to play the game with like not even really knowing that Bitcoin's on it. But that being said, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm a Bitcoin to i well, I'm all interested in the bitmap. I've talked with Bitmap Valley about like getting those games playable inside that. We've had discussions with Ord Games, so, you know... Uh... Dude,
7: I was just about to say that. Ord Games has done a great job with their the yeah. token. Yeah, so I was just and talking I, about them yesterday. Like you're, you're, yeah, you're already in talks with who I think is not only has the experience, but... I mean, that's most important. I could say, well, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I could do a BRC20 in a game, but they have been doing it, and that's super interesting. Great question, Jake. Like, that's this whole conversation kind of TLDR is like, Ordinals with you know, a BRC20 kind of ecosystem where it makes sense. And you can also, like, for winners, you can, you know, grant, you know, some of your token and build this kind of living, breathing ecosystem where, like, if you want to play, you have to burn 10 points. Same way that it works yep. on the Magic the Gathering app is, like, you have to buy this fucking token to, to play people online. And, Ben, I, I don't know. I just... It's a lot. It's very hard to execute, but I think the pieces are there.
2: So champions. Yeah. Have you considered a BRC 20? I don't think I heard the end of that response.
7: Um, Yeah,
8: we've uh, considered a BRC 20. It's like a topic in the, uh, you know, discord. Like we're trying to, you know, work with community as much as we can. And we're going back and forth. But I mean, the main thing is like, yeah, we're just trying to, you know, first priority is getting this game to Hearthstone level. And then, uh, yeah, then we start, you know, exploring all of these other options but that's kind of like where we're at and i mean it's not like this is going to take months like we're literally expecting it to be there like within mm-hmm. 10 days or so i mean we should have matchmaking and all of that live rewards where you're getting like a coom box after each game and those can be opened in the future i mean we're yeah i mean working around the clock half the team's in new zealand and Australia so when I'm asleep you know they're just grinding on the code the back end stuff so it's literally like a 24 hour cycle right now for the past month and a half of us just improving and anyone that's played the game you know a month ago versus now you can see the difference but yeah no I mean you know we I'm interested we're I'm interested in bitcoin so obviously brc g- kind of can go hand in hand with this project
2: yeah how do you guys view brc20 uh, internally do you see it as you know a currency is it more of a commodity like gold is, are you still debating it um this is also a question that i'd like to propose to the larger uh speakers as well is wh- wh- how do you view brc20s as an asset uh,
8: i mean yeah just like you know really tokens i mean that's the one thing about all of this is yeah it gets in if we're viewing it as a currency i mean there's uh, things that have to be taken into place there, but yeah, just like a token inside the game. So, you know, you just like you get the coom box that you open example, for example, could have 10,000 coom coins in it or whatever like that. So that's kind of the initial direction that we've been, uh, discussing, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, at Bunzy, what, what is your kind of view as BRC20 as somebody who's been working, you know, on a swap tool BRC20 for BRC20, BRC20 for, for ordinals, right? You, you've you had to kind of build out this tool looking at BRC20s and ordinals kind of as the same, although it seems that everyone kind of has a different opinion of it.
7: Yeah, I think the while going through the process, it started to highlight why this swap made sense to release before like a full DEX, where a lot of it's like an AMM and there's like liquidity pools is... To kind of prove out the technology of these assets, and I think perfectly matched with champions game is like just people that want to trade their existing assets. Because previously, like if you just hold token and hope and just that's the only option, naturally people are going to just lose interest and floor, if you will, a lack of a better explanation. But I think what it also um, really highlighted to me was BRC20 is being used as a minting um, currency for ordinals where the, the mentor or the project um, allows for pl- price arbitrage of like, okay, if you want to buy this, it's point z- point 0.1 Bitcoin. But if you want to buy it in OXBT, it's 10 OXBT. What that allows is the, ecosystem to flourish, the original holders to get rewarded and for them, because that is the big unlock of this technology is like it's it's such a catch-22 because people view it and use it so wrongly. like flooding a project is, especially when you believe in it, is negative for everything all around because your bags go down, inspiration for the team goes down and morale goes down. But once you have this healthy cycle, where people win and you continue to try to slowly stagger that. So your original holders become like stockholders and they're, they see the upside. Now you have brand advocates and people that are like pushing your product, not with shitty affiliate links or like weird, like YouTube videos of like, yeah, use this. No, they're just like, dude, I fucking love this shit. I, you know, and now they're using BRC twenties in your ecosystem, and when facilitated properly, you now have, like, uh, a community slash, I guess, whole economy, if you will, where you can help facilitate. Yes, it's hard to do. People have, you know, continually try it, but again, like, look how much BitGod has done in two months. <laughs> like, that's two months. Wait for two years. Wait for two decades. And, like, the the whole point here is, like, Business models, in my opinion, why I'm so bullish on this, will get flipped on their heads because it's always been an extraction. And the only thing that people have is like the idea of, oh, I can return this, I guess, or my bank, if it's fraudulent, will give me my money back. That's the only difference. The upside of buying an asset and being like a, a holder in it is a net positive, especially once it's a great product. For example, let's use Netflix. Say they did an issuance of tokens. And I bought when they were in beta and they did a thousand. And this token is lifetime um, subscription. And now they're doing monthly, but I still own this token on the secondary. Th- that original token, if staggered and issued correctly, like I am now, because of my early adoption, able to not only maybe exit, but feel a part of something, which is like, people don't like to say that or like, but that's, we're all humans at the end of every UTXO, there's a human. believe it or not. Yes. There's bots at times doing wash trading, et cetera. But like people forget that like, there's humans that want to be a part of something. It's innate and there's tribalism. Why do you think PFP collections had the, the uptick that it did? It was a, it was a structured tribe, if you will. But people that organize around like a true SaaS product and like community being a big part of it and tokenizing it, like I think BitGod and Good are thinking about it in the right way, 100%. Like, and yes, it's way easier for me to say this than to do it. But I think that's what my like convictions on of like why I participate in this is I think with anything that's starting in beta, people want users. And if you give them unique tokens to signify that, not just an email address where you could properly reward people, I think people that see that model and utilize it is like where BRC20s and these smaller token uh, distributions make sense in, in an ecosystem like Bitcoin. So that's my TED talk,
2: but... Uh, Damn, that was a that was a hell of a ted talk bro can we
1: can we just get the community based casino going dude can we just do that please let's do that
7: dude, that's what i'm saying bro like literally <laughs> a slot machine with a cigarette butt like right next to it just says you we have 55 percent upside you have 45 do you want to yeah.
1: pull the lever dude you throw you throw your brc20s in there you pull the mach- you pull the lever bro that's it man dude <laughs>
7: dude i'm i'm just saying dude that's that's just facts. Like casinos, have you been inside? People make fucking excuses. I'm going to Vegas for the show. It's like, "No, bro, you're going to fucking gamble."
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, gamble is something, right? Either you ga- gambling, you know, socially, reputationally or or financially. Uh yeah, I, g- I guess throughout this throughout like this whole
7: show it's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, come I'm going to Vegas for the show and the art and all this stuff and people just are lying and it's like,
2: "No, they, they do." What it is. They do, they do. People just want to be up to to no good for for some, you know, mis- mischievousness.
7: We need to make Sin City of NFTs.
2: Uh, you know, I've been trying to do that for five years, but uh, <laughs> I, I will I will <laughs> recant on that for another day. Go ahead, Etherization.
11: Yeah, just one idea up my head. Um, I've seen many board games on Indiegogo and Kickstarter raise like millions or hundreds of thousands. Maybe you could widen your o- audience by, you know, attaching NFT to some real-life figurine, and you know, you can raise money as well from the crowdfunding campaign, as well as you know, getting people's attention to to NFTs in general, and maybe attract more of them to your game. It's just dude, an idea. That's
7: the Alpha. That's the real alpha. He's dude. Okay. I go on that site to look at new like gadgets and stuff and I'm always blown away by how many people fund board games.
11: Yep, yep, millions. I've seen millions that's of dollars
2: I guess that that's the next meta man. Uh, I think f- throughout this conversation we mixed, you know, gamefi and brc20s and so we just need a uh, what is it? an ordinal gamefi uh, Shitcoin BRC20 casino. We'll just use everybody's BRC20 uh, for these different games. Whoever wants to build it, ordinal casino. When you go back to the earliest history of you know Bitcoin, the first real utility was Satoshi Dice gambling. Yep. Uh, hasn't hasn't changed since then. I think that was what 2011. I think. Yep. Eric Ford yeah, uh, became a very richy like man play. because of it. Yeah, I played it actually. Did you? Year
11: yep, if I yep. something
6: um, I think that uh, I think that gamify is the most easily accessible thing to the common man right so when it comes to trading or when it comes to uh, you know collecting anything th- those are really niche ha- habits or hobbies but I know every single person here has played an Xbox right uh, versus how many people really collect beanie babies or carnival glass or whatever versus how many people you know have the wherewithal to trade I think that BRC 20s and uh, I think that NFTs and that that standard and the, the, the tokenization standard allows for the, the common man using gamify to like really benefit from it. I mean how many people here have played World of Warcraft and, and grinded for you know level 80 gear or how many people here have, have you know bought a skin on Fortnite or some such? And these aren't assets that, that you own but you pay for this allows for the reality of 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 uh, gaming to like become a valuable like like a hobby or a valuable you know uh, a practice uh, and i think that's going to be our quickest way to getting into the retail consumer that has no idea what's going on with all this
2: good king king Ant. good i see every you hands up
5: yeah my bad my bad i was
2: i was replying
5: um, <laughs> <laughs> um i just wanted to say earlier in the i'd had my hand raised too but i and like good and bunsey as well. Like there's a thousand things. I feel like I had to say throughout that whole thing. And I just want to say throughout the whole thing. Um, I believe like as far as gamification comes with casinos and like, I think you guys are spot on and why that'll go forward is because that's what people want. And like, whether or not, um, I feel like that is what's going to help push um, Web3 forward as well as a whole. When um, Bitcoin and these BRCs, as these developers, um, these creators that are on this stage right here, um, create and go forward, I think it's going to be a catalyst to help the whole space. And I'm just here to support you guys and uh, educate on board um and continue it bunsey i want to talk to you about your uh casino uh because that's i'm
1: all i'm all for it Bunzy's not creating a casino i've been on his ass for a month (laughs) it's called the
7: intern casino the intern intern casino (laughs) basically what it does is it just (laughs) fucking interns internalizes everyone's sin and just paints it on I don't know. I, I, I'm still ideating. Yes, let's talk
2: about the king. Yeah, sounds go,
4: good. go ahead, Ray. Hey, I wanted to talk a little bit earlier about the um, uh, card games. Um, there's a lot of big conventions that for board games, and especially Match of the Gathering. Um, one's called Origins Game Fair. And I think, you know, like, you guys should be the first people to show up and... Um, you know, show off a like Web3 style game. You know, all these cards, you know, not, not physical cards, um, but they would be, you know, really down for that. Um, Cause you'd be like the first ones to really do that. I've been going there for um, at least like four years and I haven't seen anything like that, so, you know, so far, but I just wanted to offer that it's in um, Ohio. But uh, people travel, you know, internationally to um, check it out.
8: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I just saw your tweet. We'll definitely look into it.
2: Yeah, I, this is some. This is a kind of a tactic or guerrilla marketing that uh, early pioneers have done. I don't know if you follow Deep Black, who's uh, a. Uh, one of the earliest AI kind of NFT artists. He showed up to, I think it was like a 2019 or 2020 CES convention, trying to show his art and uh, did not work well. But when you look back and see that he was there, it just kind of adds to the legacy and the story of it. It's quite fascinating. So, um, All right, Adam.
1: We've been going at this for two hours. We're ready. I thought we were going to keep this right? shorter, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> my camera clicked off after the two hour mark. I forget my stupid camera. It has like a two hour timer <laughs> <hour> on <laughs> yeah,
2: we're gonna We're going to be back uh, again. So for those who have just joined, uh, we've moved the show. This used to be a regular Friday show. We've now moved it to Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1130 a.m. Eastern time. This is going to be going on every week you know, hosted by me, uh, myself, Bunzy, if you can make it on Thursdays. I think BitGod's gonna be regular. Anyone who's on stage can come be a regular. We're gonna be diving into, you know, everything, ordinals, collecting, kind of just cool stuff. Um, we we'll talking about some topics, right? We're here to create, you know, a fun environment that we can also have the freedom to, you know, try to intersect some of these, you know, the crossroads of, of GameFi and BRC20. Did not think that was going to happen, but uh, I think if anything we've learned today is that Bunzi's building an in- intern casino. <laughs> uh,
7: all right, no correction. Built done, King Ant. Um, I'll send you a link. Um, I'm ready for an audit. And <laughs> uh,
2: now I, p- I appreciate everyone who came on stage. Bit God, good. Our two special guests of the evening. I highly suggest everybody. Who's uh, who listened today? Give both of them a follow to uh, two uh, founders and creators who are continuing on the BRC20 road. Uh, similar ideas, but it seems like they're now kind of merging into different sections. So it's going to be a fun follow. Big support of both of them. First, I want to say uh, thank you, God and Good, for, for showing up today.
11: Let's okay. go.
2: Let's go. Yeah. Randy, always appreciate you uh, champions and everybody else. Uh, If anybody has any final words, anything you'd like to show uh, before we close it out, um, please speak freely now. Um, And if not, then we'll see you back on Thursday.
7: Okay. Intern casino. Uh, (laughs) All right, No, no, but this is awesome, dude. I'm pumped. I, I, the two weeks I didn't miss doing the show. And I'm excited to to get it back because I've been popping in some other spaces and I'm, I'm biased again. I play Magic and but this space is <laughs> fucking this space was fire. I'm I'm pumped up and ready to inspire to build some more stuff. Farmer Joe, welcome to the stage. Happy birthday, dude. Holy shit.
8: <laughs> Yo,
2: what's up? It's been such a long time. But uh I feel
8: like be at, I need Farmer Joe, happy B Day. H B D. Yes,
11: please, yes, please. I'm giving everyone uh, a BTC god for uh he's whitelisting <laughs> everyone
7: birthday. for his birthday. Chucky e. Ch- intern casino. Um what's today's date? 6 p.m. Farmer Joe's birthday. Fuck yes. Fuck yeah, Yes, uh, sir. Another-
0: Turning uh 18 today. Another- 18th day. Another
2: space Another spaces, another birthday. Uh I appreciate everyone for showing up. I'm gonna close this out here. Uh, Join us in the next 48 hours for Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you guys then. Thank you guys.